Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night, Design recording this. I will call it a day late. I, I needed a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra recovery time. It's been a long, long year and a half, is what I will say. Uh, it's, it's tough when you're doing a, a podcast like this and also sort of running the content stuff over at Denver Stiffs, but... Uh, no complaints. I love doing what I do. And it was just very interesting the way that Denver's moves sort of went over the course of this free agency period. I thought that I would be talking about a move or two every single day. And as it turns out, the Nuggets, they made their four moves and then they were done. Uh, or at least that's what it looks like at the outset right now. So we are in a good place now where we can kind of step back and evaluate most of the stuff that has gone on in free agency, uh, there's been a lot. Uh, we will be talking about the league at large in segments two and three, including my Western Conference tiers, which I think are a valuable exercise in really understanding and appreciating where the NBA is right now and where certain teams are sort of ranked. Uh, I did this last year, and the Phoenix Suns were in like tier three or tier four. So, this is definitely not an exact thing, and it is okay to disagree with me at that outset, but for now, in segment one, let us look more closely at the Summer League Nuggets, who uh, the Summer League roster kind of dropped on the same day, like right, right at the same time as when free agency was dropping on Monday afternoon, and we kind of kicked it to the side at Denver Stiff's for obvious reasons, because Denver, they had a little bit more important things to do at that point, and we had more important things to cover. But now that we've kind of stepped back and we can really take a take a, a larger look at what's going on, I think this summer league is going to be interesting, and there are going to be a couple of things towards the end of the roster that I think will be decided, and potentially whether certain players will be in line for playing time or not. So, I am interested in monitoring the progress, and we can really talk about it kind of with the the signing of Bones Highland's deal. Uh, Had Bones Highland not signed his official rookie-scale contract, he would not have been available to play. So it's good that they were able to get that out of the way. Not sure what the overall numbers are. When you're on a rookie-scale deal, you can sign for as little as 80% of the money that's allotted to your draft slot or as much as 120% of the money. So, I have to imagine that they probably went up to 120. That is what most teams do, and it's very rare for players to sign for below that slot. Though there are certain concessions that they might make uh, in order to get more flexibility and empowerment themselves. So, we will see what those numbers ultimately come out to. But I, from what I hear, from what I understand, it's just a standard 120% deal. So, that's fine. Four years, he's under team control for those four, plus an additional few uh, based off of matching rights, things like that. So, Denver should be in a good place that if Bones Highland continues to develop, continues to prove that his offense can translate to the NBA level, and that he can be a dangerous scorer, then... He's going to make a lot of money in his career, and that's good for him, and he is going to be a valuable piece to our rotation. That's my prediction. But with the rest of the Summer League, things didn't ever really kind of get off 
to a good track. And when we were waiting for information on all of this summer league stuff on Tuesday, that was supposed to be their first practice. And Tuesday came and there was a note kind of, I think, half an hour, 45 minutes before the media was scheduled to talk with the players that practice had been postponed and uh, they were dealing with some uh, a COVID positive test. Or at least, like, I, I think it was a positive test, and it might not have been a uh, – somebody may not have had COVID. It might have just been a, a blind thing, but based off of the fact that the entire facility seems to have closed down and that they had people kicked out for a while, um, something probably happened. Somebody probably tested for COVID, and whether it was somebody who's uh, on the playing staff or somebody that was close to the situation – The Nuggets, based off of COVID protocols, the health and safety stuff, they had to close down their practice. And so they haven't practiced at all for the last three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, They will practice tomorrow on Friday. We got the notification of that this evening. And they will also be joined by two new players who weren't on the initial roster. Uh, Jimmer Fredette, who makes his second return to, or not second return, but his second appearance on the Nuggets Summer League roster, which I think is interesting. And uh, Davon Reed, or Devon Reed, who played with at University of Miami, was a draft pick, I think in 2017, kind of a, an early second round pick, maybe it was 2018. Uh, over this past season, I think he was in a Chinese league or a Japanese league, pretty sure it was Chinese league. And Hadn't been in the NBA for a little bit, just never really latched on to the Phoenix Suns, who he was drafted to. Uh, But nobody was subtracted from this roster, at least not publicly. So it's going to be interesting to see who plays, who doesn't play, who's involved in things. But uh, I am hopeful that the Nuggets are ready for Summer League. We don't necessarily know how much progress they've made behind the scenes, uh, but it is going to be Friday on which they practice. And They have a game, their first game is scheduled for Sunday. So, if this is the first time that they're practicing on this Friday practice coming up, it's going to be interesting to see who's ready to go and who's not. I have to imagine that the starting unit for this group is going to feature Marcus Howard, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, Bull Bull, and probably Caleb Agata, Uh, but it could be another wing could be somebody else, somebody who's more small forward sized. Have to imagine that Bol Bol, Zeke Naji will take two of the big man spots. But it's going to be interesting to see kind of surrounding those guys, uh, how they handle all of their stuff and how, like who, who steps up among that group? Is it going to be somebody who the Nuggets currently have the rights to? Is it going to be somebody who's a free agent and somebody that Denver might want to sign to a two-way contract. Denver has both of their two-way spots open. Uh, Marcus Howard currently has a qualifying offer extended to him for one of those two-way spots because he's a restricted free agent. But we're going to see who Denver can pick up during this process and whether it's somebody that's on this roster or if it's somebody that they're scouting. I like that Denver's holding kind of their their two-way spots open a little bit. Unless you draft somebody in the second round that you for sure want on your roster, then one of the two-way spots is generally committed to them. But Denver didn't have a two; uh, they didn't have a second-round pick this year, so didn't have to commit that spot. So they can be a little bit flexible. They can try to scour the market a little bit, uh, connect with people at summer league, and see who fits, see who plays well, who deserves a spot. Uh, I have to imagine that most of those players will be gunning for guaranteed deals, though, and Denver has 15 guaranteed roster spots on their roster now. I think the Vlatko's contract, guaranteed. Uh, P.J. Dozier's is later, but there's no reason that they wouldn't guarantee his contract. So everybody's now guaranteed. The only question is whether Bull Bull will ultimately be on the roster, I think. Uh, it could be Vlaco who is moved. It could be Bull Bull. Uh, but I just, I can't shake the feeling that Denver isn't done with their roster. Because if you look at the depth chart, 
you think about okay, what are Denver's needs? Where do they where are they weak and where are they strong? Denver just signed Jeff Green. They just re-signed Jamichael Green. They already have Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. They already have Zeke Naji. They have Vlako Chanchar. And they have Bol Bol. That is a lot of guys that are probably best suited to play power forward. And like Michael Porter can make it work at small forward because he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. If like a top three, top five shooter. Uh, Aaron Gordon can defend threes and showed that he could do so throughout the season while he was with Denver. So those guys can make it work. Can Zeke Naji shoot like Michael Porter or defend like Aaron Gordon on the perimeter? I think that's probably unlikely at this stage. Can Jamichael Green do either of those things? No. Can Jeff Green? I think he's got the best chance to do so of all the guys, but I also think that Brooklyn like to use him at the five. And that's one of the reasons why Denver probably brought him in so that they could go small ball with him at center. Or maybe he won't be the center. Maybe somebody else will be. But the truth is, is that Denver's roster is still very weak at the three spot. I don't think they have a traditional small forward on their roster. Somebody in that 6'6 to 6'8 range who can handle pass and shoot while also defending their position. Like, if it's not Michael Porter, like he he's going to play small forward because that makes sense with Denver's roster. Like I've mentioned this before, he and Aaron Gordon are 3.5s. They have tendencies of three, tendencies of a four. So you kind of split the difference and they complement each other. So it works. But Denver could use an actual three because they have so many actual fours that are going to be masquerading as a three throughout the year, as well as PJ Dozier, who Because Austin Rivers was brought in, it wouldn't surprise me if P.J. Dozier was the backup three on the season. But he's still 6'6", 6'7", is kind of in that 205, 210 range in terms of his weight. He has more of the size of a shooting guard from a prototypical perspective. You'd like to add somebody else. Like, having as many of those 6'7 athletes as possible is generally a good idea. It's one of the reasons why adding Jeff Green was great for Denver, in my opinion. But they could always use more. And so I can't shake the feeling that Denver's probably going to have one more move in them in terms of this roster. And it's probably going to come towards the end of the bench. And we'll see what ultimately shakes out. I have to imagine that the summer league performance of those guys, Bull Bull, Zeke Naji in particular, I think is going to be pretty interesting for how Denver's roster looks towards the end. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go around the league, talk about the biggest moves, the biggest shakers. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I have done my damnedest to share the love about DraftKings Sportsbook, and they continue to have all of these props, all of these bets, on so many of these sports in the Olympics, in the in Major League Baseball, in golf, everything you want to bet on, anything you, you really can find on DraftKings Sportsbook. And they do such a great job with all of their new users. All you have to do when you sign up, use promo code MHS. That lets them know that you came from me. That lets them know that I'm doing my job. I'm doing it well. Uh, it is so great. I've made money as all of you can too. Uh, just make sure to follow my picks over the course of this coming season. So must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wagers paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I wanted to go around the league because we've now kind of reached that place in free agency where all of the big moves, save for one or two, are really solidified. Like, 
Kawhi Leonard is still unsigned. I'm not really sure why that is. I can't imagine that it's from the Clippers side of things that he's not unsigned. Like, Kawhi seems like a guy that just kind of does what he wants and takes his time and really likes to feel that, um, to see the team squirm before ultimately doing what he wants. And I have to imagine that it's going to involve re-signing with the Clippers in some way, shape, or form. But the thing is, is he's probably out for most of the year, if not all of it. So I wonder why he's taking so long. It's just very curious. But for now, there are a lot of teams and a lot of moves that have been made that have sort of changed the league and sort of changed the complexion of things. And so I wanted to use this space to talk about four of the teams that I think are the most changed and are the most uh, like are the most interesting to think about from who they are and what it's going to mean for the league coming up over the next couple of years. And unfortunately, I've picked a bunch of big markets. Those are just the teams that I think have undergone the biggest changes. And, and it's too bad that so many of the other teams, they've really just remained status quo. But I think what that says to me is that there is no superpower. There is no team that people really fear. But the biggest fear, I think, in everybody's mind is Brooklyn with if their team gets healthy, given the additions that they've made around them, given that they have a legitimate supporting cast around three superstar type players. I think it's fair to question that had they been healthy, would they be the champions right now? Whether the answer is yes or not remains to be seen, but uh, Kevin Durant is that good. And, and just the fact that he was a size 18 shoe as opposed to a size 17 shoe was really the difference in the Milwaukee Bucks winning the title. So with that in mind, let's take a look at these four teams. Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, I think, is it's just so fascinating to think about how the Lakers won in 2019-20 and how freaking different they are now. Think about the series between the Lakers and the Nuggets and what made things difficult for Denver. It was their physicality. It was their difficult guard play for Denver to manage when they went small. And when they were big, it was the uh, kind of the goonery of Dwight Howard, uh, Anthony Davis kind of dominating his individual matchups, and then LeBron James, nobody really having an answer for him, of course. Fast forward now, I guess we're we're going to be a year and a half out when those next playoffs come around after that time. And, and now you've got the Lakers and they have Russell Westbrook, who is just such a difficult fit around what these Lakers are doing and what they represented before. Because before they had Rajon Rondo, who really was a great shooter for the Lakers in the bubble. Uh, Nuggets fans can attest to that. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Kyle Kuzma. Alex Caruso, they had good role players who did things on both ends of the floor. And now they've really mostly gone offense outside of a couple guys. Tail and Horton Tucker's one of them, but he's also 20 years old. And that's they, they just spent a three-year, $32 million contract kind of making that bet that he would be that player for them again. Whether he is or not remains to be seen, but he's a guy that like, he's candidate number one to be buried in this rotation behind Westbrook, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, you've got LeBron and AD and guys like that, but like Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. There's just a lot of old guys who it seems that LeBron has brought in because he feels comfortable around them. And I'm not really sure that the fit is any good because I'm not sure that they optimize what the Lakers do really well. And maybe what this does is it forces Anthony Davis to finally play the five. And maybe LeBron was like, okay, we are going to sign all these other guys. And the only centers that we are going to carry on our roster now are Marcus Gasol and Dwight Howard, which means by definition, given that those older guys are washed, hey, AD, you are now going to play center every single night at some point. And then when the playoffs come around, you're probably starting at center. 
unless it's against the Nuggets, in which case they're probably starting Gasol. But it's just fascinating to think about how completely different they are and how the spacing is going to change and how the health is going to be so necessary for them to get back to where they were. And yet, they still have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and I guess Russell Westbrook? Like, he's capable of putting up a 20-20-20 game. And LeBron is capable of putting up 30-point triple-doubles. And Anthony Davis is capable of putting up 30-20 games. So, like, there are pathways for them to just win the title because of the strength of those three players. But even more so than the Nets, it really does feel like the Lakers are going to be so weird. And people are going to be complaining about the fit a lot of the time. I wonder if LeBron is going to complain about the fit. That would be fascinating. That would be a great subplot. That after he basically made this roster, like, let's be honest, Rob Palenka did not make this roster. He would have brought back a lot of the wings and reserve players around what LeBron was doing well. It's just very fascinating to think about. So we will see. We will see what this ultimately does. Maybe it pushes them towards their best configuration, which is LeBron at the four, AD at the five. And then you play Russ and you play two of the wings, like Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington or Trevor Ariza. Somebody like that. Is that good? It should be pretty good. Is it great? I don't know. We will see. Next team, Lonzo, DeMar DeRozan, and the Chicago Bulls. Arturis Karnasovas is doing some interesting things, but one of the things that has really stood out is that they've just kind of run out of draft picks here between trading for Nikola Vucevic and trading for DeMar DeRozan. They're now in a spot where they don't have that many resources left to make this team better. They did use the cap space while they had it, and they have added Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, to the three players that they want to probably build around for the next foreseeable future, which is Levine, Patrick Williams, their 20-year-old rookie, and Nikola Vucevic. So they're going to be a really, really good offensive team, and DeMar DeRozan is going to be very interesting because he kind of needs the ball in his hands, and Lonzo's more of kind of an off-ball point guard. Like He can make all of those passes, but he's not going to break down the defense. DeMar will, and so will Levine. So I'm very curious to see how they handle it. And they also picked up Caruso for their bench. So they've got some other pieces that are doing well. I wonder how they continue to build things out. I wanted Troy Brown Jr. off of their bench having somebody like that for the Nuggets. I wonder if Troy Brown Jr. gets a little bit of a look based off of uh, just kind of playing a needed position for them. And then they will, I think they got Tony Bradley for their bench. So they've kind of remade their team and they didn't make the playoffs last year. They didn't even make the play-in game last year, but they also got hurt and they couldn't ever really develop chemistry at the deadline when they made that trade. So I wonder if they just look like a completely different team. They've got a bunch of players that are pretty good. Vucevic was an all-star. Levine was an all-star. DeMar DeRozan has been an all-star. He's not anymore, but like he still does some good stuff. And Lonzo Ball, he's kind of that necessary fourth player. That kind of does everything you want from a fourth player to do without having to take a bunch of shots to do it. So that should be fun. Patrick Williams, I liked. Thought he would be good in the draft. We'll see what he ultimately does here. But they don't have a lot of upward mobility. And if it doesn't work with this group, then it's going to be fascinating because they don't really have a top 10 player. And when you want to crack the top four, the easiest way to do so is to have a superstar player that you can really anchor some things around. Uh, Pence, Giannis. Like, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are, are really good players, but they aren't world beaters. It's just that Giannis is. So I wonder what happens with this group. Should be fun. 
another team that improved in the East. The Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, another couple old guys. Uh, They're going to the Heat to play with Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo in that starting unit. That's a really interesting starting lineup. You've got the vertical spacing of Lowry, of Robinson. You've also got the the two-way play of Butler and Bam. And now P.J. Tucker gives them just another player who can switch, who can battle, who doesn't need the ball. Going to be fascinating to see how they kind of reshape that lineup. Bam's probably got to be a 20-point-per-game guy as opposed to a, I think it was like 18-19 over the course of these past couple years. But now he's got to really kick it into gear, uh, be somebody that they can run some offense through a little bit more rather than just like DHOs. You want them to be able to play make and do stuff from the post and things like that. If he can do that, and then they've got Guys like Tyler Hero, Markeith Morris coming off the bench. I don't remember what the rest of their bench looks like, but that's an interesting team. It's probably not good enough to beat Brooklyn, probably not good enough to beat Milwaukee, but it's a better team than they had before, which they just kind of keep signing guys to these interesting deals to kind of push themselves over a place where they were before. They've just continuously made that progress. And they did regress last year, partially due to COVID, partially because regression was inevitable for them. But there were times where they looked great. So we'll see if Lowry can push them over the top. And the last one, Kemba, Evan Fournier, and the New York Knicks. This was the most surprising one. Everybody sort of railed on the Knicks, rightly so, after their biggest moves were re-signing Derrick Rose re-signing Nerlens Noel, re-signing Alec Burks, and you guys talked a really big game. Oh, you just added Evan Fournier? Cool. Congrats to you. They had the most cap space in the entire league, and that's all they did? Well, then they got Kemba Walker, too. Uh, they got Kemba Walker to agree with a, to a buyout with the OKC Thunder, uh, and he's now going to probably be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks after they signed him to a contract, or agreed to a contract. So this team looks a little bit better. You've got Kemba, you've got Fournier, you've got RJ Barrett, you've got Julius Randle, who just agreed to a big extension, you've got Nerlens Noel, Derek Rose, Alec Burks, I think you've got Mitchell Robinson on the bench. They drafted Obi Toppin in the, se- in the first round last year, eighth overall pick. We'll see if he can turn into anything. But that's a pretty talented team. And it's like, it's like not a fake talented team like they've had in the past. Like I watched the Knicks last year and they were kind of a joke when what they did well defensively was kind of broken apart by a player like Jokic. Like it didn't matter that Denver had as many issues as they did and as many injuries as they did when Jokic was just kicking ass and just dominating Noel, dominating Mitchell Robinson, although I don't think Mitrop was there. I think it was Taj Gibson. But dominating Randall, anybody that was switched on to him. Now they've got some serious offense. Like Kemba, Evan Fournier, and like those two additions alone. They started Alfred Payton last year. And they started Reggie Bullock, who I like. But he doesn't really do anything with the ball in his hands. He's more of just a catch-and-shoot guy. The Knicks needed creators. They needed guys who could play make and then players who could catch and shoot. What I will say is that if you've got Kemba, Fournier, Barrett, Randall, and Noel, and Kemba's just running a simple pick and roll with somebody like Noel, what is Randall doing? What is Barrett doing? Are those guys good enough, talented enough shooters to be able to make it work? Uh, that's a good question. And like, I think that's a fair question. But the talent level is much better. And they were the 26th ranked offense or something like that last year. Like, that's going to improve immensely. The defense will struggle. But I think New York's kind of back. Like, they're not going to be a top four team, I don't think. But if they were a top four regular season team, and then like a a team that could win a first round series, and then challenge a second round series, I don't think anybody would blink an eye at this point. They've got some good players. 
Kemba's just a recent all-star. Randall was an all-star this past year, one all-NBA. R.J. Barrett still has some place to go. Evan Fournier's solid. Nerlens Noel is solid. Like, they're fine. They're pretty good. We will see what they ultimately become, but I think it's funny. It's interesting. Out West, like, if you notice, most of the East, like, these were East teams that we're talking about here. The West, they were mostly keeping its status quo. The Lakers did their thing, but the Nuggets, they just kind of brought back their own guys, brought in Jeff Green. Suns brought back their own guys, brought in JaVale McGee. Clippers brought back their own guys, or hopefully soon. Uh, The Mavericks, they kind of subbed Reggie Bullock for Josh Richardson, but that's really all that they've done so far. Uh, We'll see if they get Goran Dragic, but I don't know if that changes things for them at all. Jazz, they subbed in Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside for Georges Niang and Derek Favors. So like the eighth and ninth men in their rotation changed. They also got Eric Paschal, uh, who I like from Golden State. Villanova guy. The Blazers, doesn't matter what they do. They're in hell. Like, Neil Olshay has put them in hell. They brought in Tony Snell, Cody Zeller. I don't think it matters. They're in hell. Warriors, they got Otto Porter, Nemanja Bialica. They'll probably get Andre Iguodala. Uh, Okay, like, we'll see what that means. Like, I think all of those guys at this point are eighth men. 8th, ninth, 10th man, guys. So, we'll see. Uh, what really counts for the Warriors is whether Clay is healthy and whether Wiseman can take a step forward and how good Steph Curry can still be. Like, if Steph is still, like, best player in the NBA caliber, then maybe it changes things. But we'll see. He's 33. He's going to continue to age, but his his game should still age pretty well, given, like, he's still just a shooter. Like, I mean, not just a shooter, but, like, anybody that shoots the way Steph Curry can is going to age pretty well in the NBA. So, that's more of what I mean. Um, I don't expect their rookies to contribute. But, yeah, other than those teams, like, that's the top of the West right there. Like, could Memphis break in? Sure. I'm not really sure what they do, like, what they're going to do. They've now got Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. But, like, that's not really going to change things. So, tell you what, let's get into the West tiers because I think that that is going to sort of shape this conversation. We'll get into it after the break here. West tiers time. Let us talk about the Western Conference. Which teams are the best? Which teams are we unsure about? And which teams are going to be in the bottom tier of the league? And I think that there are some pretty clear delineations in a lot of these cases, but you can start to blur the lines a little bit, even at the top, because I think that the Phoenix Suns, they deserve to be in the top tier based off of what they did this past year. They didn't lose anybody of major value. And Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, they should still all get better. Or at least like maintain and continue to improve as veterans. Uh, we'll see if that ultimately happens. But I think that they deserve to be in the top tier. And I'm putting the Los Angeles Lakers with them. Because... I can't quit the Lakers, despite the fact that they have all these mid to late 30-year-old players who are probably closing to an old folks home than they are to the best prime years of their basketball career. I It's hard to stay away. When you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis, things just sort of seem to work out for them most of the time, and they were hurt this past year. They were going to beat the Phoenix Suns, in my opinion, in that series. And then Anthony Davis went down and he got hurt. And that is the fear with a player like Davis. It's something that Lakers fans and Pelicans fans before them didn't want to hear. It's one of the reasons why you can't have him as the top player in the league, because he can't be relied upon for most of the season or all of the season. But if they get through healthy, if you tell me 
that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to be healthy throughout the entire time. I cannot, for the life of me, say that they won't figure stuff out. You can stagger Russell Westbrook's minutes so that he's not playing with LeBron James all the time. Maybe every minute that LeBron doesn't play, Westbrook is playing, and he's playing it with players that make sense with him. Carmelo Anthony's spacing the floor at the power forward. Um, You've got Dwight Howard at center, who's rolling to the rim and collecting rebounds. Uh, You've got, I don't know, Malik Monk, who's shooting off the ball next to him. That team is not a good defensive team. And there are reasons to not believe in the Lakers. It's just hard for me to quit them. I, I just can't do it right now. Like, we will see what they do. We will see what they look like. This will probably look different. Like, if I were betting on the season outcome and I was presented with the choice, the Lakers or the field in the West, I would pick the field, no question. But I think it's also fair to probably keep them as the favorite because the only reason that they were stopped last year was because Davis didn't play. Next tier, second tier down behind the Suns and the Lakers in their own tier is the injury tier. This tier are two teams that if they are healthy, you move them up to the top tier contenders. If not healthy, they move down to the if things break right tier. It's the Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers. If Murray comes back in late February, he had his surgery on April 21st. People have been known to come back in 10 months. Like football players come back even a little bit sooner than that, sometimes nine months after their surgery. But it's a little bit different in football, despite the fact that it's full contact. Like there's a lot more training in various ways that are more power sensitive than like the the constant change of direction and constant wear and tear on the hardwood floor as basketball players. So if I were the Nuggets, I would be I mean you you want to be as cautious with Murray as possible because not not just like for his own sake, but also like when he does come back it's going to be tough. It's going to be pretty difficult. But if he figures it out, and he comes back in time where he can kind of go through that trial period of about a month, kind of playing off and on a little bit. And then you start to get him really into a rhythm. And then it's the playoffs. And Denver kind of gets through it because the clip or because Jokic and Porter are so good. They're so talented. They get through the first round series. By a second round series, sometime in May. I think that you could absolutely make the claim that Murray will be back to full strength with his knee. It might even take longer than that. And maybe because he's taken a long time, it looks a little bit different. And you can't just immediately press him into the starting lineup. I think Nuggets fans have to be prepared for that. But if he can get into the starting lineup and he looks great and he feels great and he's playing well, but there's no reason to believe that anything other than like what happened last year with Denver for their brief period of time where they faced a bunch of contenders and they made them look like children. That was real. And if you can get back to it, which Denver clearly is, that's clearly their goal. If you can get back to it, you feel pretty good. In addition, Jeff Green kind of gives you a lot of versatility against all of these teams. Lakers. He can switch up and down the lineup against LeBron, AD, whoever they play at center. Against the Suns, he can switch up and down. Not going to be great like against Chris Paul or Devin Booker, but can he guard threes, fours, and fives? Yeah. Yeah, he probably can. So we'll see what ultimately happens, but I think the Nuggets are fairly, they should be in that second tier, which if Murray's healthy, they're up. If Murray's not healthy, they're down. Same thing with the Clippers and Kawhi. Like, it's really easy to explain that. They made it to the Western Conference Finals this past year off the backs of Paul George and Reggie Jackson in the second round of the playoffs. 
against the Utah Jazz, like who were fully healthy and ready to go and, and just didn't have an answer for a five-out spacing. Add Kawhi Leonard back into that, and there's no reason to say that they couldn't have been in the finals. They brought back Nick Batum. I think they'll probably bring back Reggie Jackson. They're going to keep improving. If they get back Kawhi, I think you can make that argument too. Third tier. This is the if things break right tier, we can make the finals. And this tier is a little bit larger than I had it last year. Uh, things are a little bit different because, like, the Nuggets and the Clippers, like, I think you can really make a choice. Like, you can make a, a very strong case for them both up one or down one. The Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith in the Jazz or the Mavericks, but if the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell figure things out and Mitchell doesn't get hurt the way that he did in the second round, if he is the player that you need him to be, that he's shown consistently that he can be, and then they freaking for some some forsaken way find out how to play Rudy Gobert against these five-out teams, then you've got yourself something. Um, the Clippers were perhaps the best possible team to go up against the Jazz. Even without Kawhi, they had a bunch of smaller guards and versatile forwards that could make it work from Paul George to Marcus Morris to Nick Batum. And all of those guys were capable of defending Rudy Gobert in the post. Like, I'm always going to have the Jazz in this lower tier now because of that. Because any team that goes small against them, we have seen this. The Houston Rockets did it. The Clippers did it. The Nuggets did it. Like, We've seen it against them. So they have their flaws. The Dallas Mavericks have their flaws too, but Luka. Like, all I, all I have to say is Luka. And then for the Warriors, all I have to say is Steph. Like, they have strengthened their roster a little bit around him. And if Clay is back and he's healthy, that's a starting caliber shooting guard that you just added to the mix for free. So if they were a play-in team last year, kind of at that eight-seed range, I think you can reasonably put them in this five to seven seed range and maybe even higher, depending on what the Nuggets and Clippers look like from a health perspective. Could they get up as high as three? Yeah, I think so. I still have my questions, though. Like, can they guard in the way that you need them to guard against the Suns and the Lakers? I definitely have concerns about that because I don't think they can guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I don't think that they can guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, over the course of a seven-game series, I just don't see the Warriors being able to do that. Like, sorry. So, we'll see what they ultimately look like. Maybe they surprise. But ultimately, their best lineups are going to come where Draymond Green is at the five. And they're playing really small. And I just think that the Lakers and Suns can both handle that with Aiton at the five, and Davis at the five. Like, good luck. All right, moving right along here. Playing worthy teams, Portland, Memphis, New, New Orleans. Like, New Orleans has really fallen off. I have no idea where to put them, but they are closer to the bottom of this tier. And in the we will see tier, which is Sacramento and Minnesota, than they are to the play-in worthy tier. But the problem is, is that they are the 10th team, so by definition, that if they if they make this spot in the 10 spot, then they were play-in worthy because they will have made the play-in game. But it's interesting to think about. Like, Portland, they're probably going to be a regular season strong team that does well against the teams below them because they have a competent offense that is going to be difficult for bad teams to stop. But they also have defensive issues, and none of those issues were solved. At least not in my opinion. So, we'll see what they ultimately do, whether they can actually change things. My guess is that we are closer to seeing a Damian Lillard trade than for them to finish in the top four in the West again. I don't think that's ever happening. Memphis, New Orleans, they made that trade with each other before the draft. 
Uh, Memphis, they realized that they weren't quite ready, and they traded up in the draft and took on some money in addition. Uh, New Orleans, they want to win, and they struck out so hard, so hard. (laughs) It really is kind of funny. Uh, They go all out for Kyle Lowry, for any starting point guard that is willing to come to them. They have to settle for Devontae Graham, who Charlotte Hornets fans were not happy with last year. Because not only was he just like blocking LaMelo Ball from being the starter at the beginning of the year, but he was also really, really bad at the rim. Now, maybe their setup is that Zion is so good at the rim and they dominate around the rim so much that they don't need Devontae Graham to finish at the rim. All he has to do is stroke threes. I don't think there's any question that their offense is going to be really good, but who on in their right mind is going to pick the New Orleans Pelicans to be able to stop opposing teams defensively? You've got Devontae Graham, Brandon Ingram, uh, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, and Prayer. Like Prayer is going to be, they're going to hope that people party too hard, and that's what's going to stop them. Like partying on, in uh, Louisiana. We'll see. We'll see what they do. This is the we will see tier. Uh, The Sacramento Kings, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think they're just kind of in purgatory right now. It is really difficult to see them making upward moves. Uh, Sacramento especially. Like, they want to trade Buddy Heald so bad. If they didn't, like, if they don't trade Buddy Heald and he comes back as the starter, and then you have both Davion Mitchell, who they just drafted, and Tyrese Halliburton, uh, kind of either playing out of position because of Buddy Heald or on the bench behind him, that's a bad thing for the Kings franchise. But I don't really know. I don't really know what's good for the Kings franchise anymore. Like, they've just been spinning their wheels, and the fact is is that De'Aaron Fox is not going to be good enough for them uh, to be in. Like, he's not an all-NBA player. If he ever develops into that, then maybe it changes their fortune, but they have good role players around an all-NBA player, but the fact is is that De'Aaron Fox is still struggling to get to all-star caliber as opposed to all-NBA caliber. So, like, Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, uh, Heald, guys like that. Like, it's they've got good role players, but it's not good enough. And then Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, They've got some really interesting young pieces that will fit together in interesting ways, but I just I still don't know how they defend. They've got a lot of questions in that regard. Uh, I don't know if they actually solve their issues or not. I still think that they're probably going to be in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes. They're probably going to try to get D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley for Ben Simmons. That would be my guess. I would hope that they would try to do that. I think that that's the best possible fit in the NBA for Ben Simmons right now. From a, we need you to be the best player, and you can still handle the ball and do all these crazy things uh, to kind of lead the way for Cat, who would be the best player for that franchise, but maybe not the most valuable. And then Anthony Edwards, who looks like an he looks like a young All Star. We will see what he ultimately does, but he was playing really, really well. Having D'Angelo Russell there, having Malik Beasley there, not sure if that's the best thing for him. And then bottom tier, San Antonio, no idea what they're doing. They signed Doug McDermott and, and Zach Collins. They let go of uh they let go of DeMar DeRozan. Lamarcus Aldridge is obviously gone. I just don't know, like, they are a team that is perpetually spinning their wheels now. They will probably be in the we will see tier. Like they have enough talent in order to get out of this bottom group. But yeah, actually, let's put them there. They're the third team in the we will see tier. Like I could see them finishing 11 to 13. I can't see them finishing 14 or 15. So move them up a tier. Bottom team now, Oklahoma City, Houston Rockets. Oklahoma City, they are not trying to win. They're doing everything that they can to continue losing. Uh, and that's fine. Like that's that's going to be the best way for them to ultimately ultimately recover and try to figure it out. I wonder how long Shea Gilgis Alexander is interested in doing that. He signed his big Supermax, or not Supermax, but big Max rookie extension. 
it wouldn't surprise me if he's like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing this, but only after he collected the money, <laughs> which is funny. And then Houston, like they are a young project team. I think that Bol Bol would fit great there because he would play. He would be interesting. They have some veteran wings that it wouldn't surprise me if Denver would explore the market there during summer league, but Houston, they've got Jalen Green. They've got John Wall still as kind of the perpetual bad contract. But Christian Wood, um, Daniel Tice, like it's a pretty depressing scene there. So hopefully Jalen Green is good. That would be great for them. All right, that's all I have. Uh, If you have arguments with where I've placed certain teams, then let me know. I kind of made a cop-out for the Nuggets and the Clippers because of this injury tier, but given that the injuries to Jamal Murray and to Kawhi Leonard happened so late in this past year, I think it's fair. We don't know when those guys are going to show back up. We don't know when Denver's going to get to their fullest strength, if they ever do. Uh, same with the Clippers. Like We could be talking about them as a team that adds Kawhi Leonard right before the playoffs. Or maybe he comes back during the middle of the year because he's so ambiguous. Denver could get back Jamal Murray in February or April. Or maybe they don't get him back at all. So I have questions. I don't know what Denver does without them. I think that we're going to see a big jump from Michael Porter. But until we see it, I think it's fair to keep Denver here as opposed to the top tier still. They still need Jamal Murray to be great in order to be great themselves. I firmly believe that it's going to take a little bit of time, but if it ultimately happens, move them up. Should be fun. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. You guys are awesome. If you could rate, review, and subscribe on on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Uh, Really helps support the program. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody. I will be covering all of the Summer League stuff, uh, or at least most of it. If there's something that's not interesting or that kind of just happened, then we'll, we'll, we'll mention it. But should be fun. Want to get on some guests. We'll be very interested to see who hops on. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you guys very soon.